JV to the Pros, Season 2, Episode 21. I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner, Corey Ramsey, the Iron Man of Radio Broadcasting. Corey, how are you? I am Iron Man. <laughs> yes, I'm doing well. Hello, everybody. Hi, I'm Corey. Here with, I'm here with Paco, the last man standing. hi yo. Robin with a Y in the nest. Hello. And I am here with the I am here with the Queen of Queens, Miss Karen from New York, our other producer. And what? No, no, you gotta give her her you gotta stick with her nickname. It's yeah. NYC Karen. Yeah, man. She doesn't want to go with NYC Karen because she's from Queens and New Yorkers look at me as NYC as Manhattan. Ah. And it is Manhattan to New Yorkers. So she's like it's the Queen of Queens. Queen of Queens. Queen of Queens. Queen of Queens. Tell me something, guys. Now, what have you been up to this past week? It's been Memorial Day week. Memorial Day weekend. What's been going on? Barbecue, talk to family. That covers it for me. <laughs> Taco. Barbecue. Bar- Working in the garage, a lot of alcohol. Enough said. Okay. <laughs> and I know, Robin, you you were right there with your partner there, right? I was. I was doing a lot of baking, too. It was fun. What were you baking? I made chocolate chip cookies. Mm-hmm. I made honey, honey roasted almonds. I made brownies. Mm-hmm. And I made really sensational garlic pizza dough. You gotta let me have some of that. And speaking of brownies, I just got me some delicious brownies today because a Baron's opened up the street, so that was one of the deals. So buy something you get. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, all right, Corey. Let's let's figure out which way we're gonna go. There's been a lot of big news stories. There's been a lot of big news stories this week. We we in in pre production we were batting a lot of things around. Which way do you think we should go, my friend? Well, I, I'm gonna tell you, you know something that's just extremely disturbing to me is this Minnesota incident. Oh, and you and I are on the same page. Good. Yeah, I mean, We're on the same page. With what, just, with what just happened. So, Robin, can you tell us and tell the audience in about two sentences, just bring them up to speed, and then I'll add the commentary. Absolutely. So, in Minnesota, we had a black gentleman that was uh, uh, detained by the police. He was apparently resisting arrest when they first got to the site. So they cuffed him and they had him on the ground. And this one police officer felt the need to keep him down by putting his knee in his neck. There were bystanders watching and pleading with the police officer to let the man up. The guy kept saying, I can't breathe. And it was, I watched this five and a half minute tape of this incident, this video of this incident. And by the end, you realize I just watched a human being, a, a man, die in front of my eyes. Like a yeah. He just, and so he died. The police initially said, oh, you know, they saw he was in some distress, so they called the fire and rescue. And, I mean, just, it was a horrible, horrible, horrible film. And it's it's absolutely disturbing what happened. 
And since then, all four police officers have been fired, which I'm delighted about. But that's that's it in a nutshell. And, and, and the mayor has come forward even before the FBI investigation and has yes. apologized to the black community and has yes. apologized to the community and said when somebody pleads out and they plead to you that they are in trouble and they need help, that is exactly what you're there for. You're not right. there to compound that. And these guys, and this is reminiscent of the issue from about six years ago with the man on the streets in New York illegal, selling illegal cigarettes, um, Mr. Garner, and they choked yeah. him out, which started the I can't breathe, and many of the NBA players were wearing those shir shirts in pregame that say I can't breathe, but you know they were kind of broad-stroking all police officers because of the way a few acted in Brooklyn that day. But now Minnesota's got a real issue because these guys absolutely cut off his airway, his airway, and and they they absolutely killed him. There's yes. no doubt about it. Here's the other thing I'd like to point out, and their report was a report that probably would have been fine 15 or 20 years ago without everyone holding their cell phone up and recording everything. That said, their report made it sound like he was resisting arrest to the point where they had to use additional force, which is untrue. Their mm -hmm. report was saying that he really wasn't complaining when other people's cell phones saw him complaining about not being able to breathe right up until he died. You can hear him. You, yeah. you can hear him. You could hear him complaining, and then he kept saying, "Officer, please take your knee off. I can't breathe." And the people in the crowd were saying, "Dude, get off of him. He can't breathe. Put him in the car." I mean, he was cuffed, so he's not a danger yeah. to them anymore. And he was face down, and the other officers were on his legs and on his body. There was no need for this guy to be kneeling on his neck. And One of the girls in the crowd was like, his nose is bleeding, get off of him. So and, here, here's my and, and wait, let me point let me point something else out. They are they are cuffing him. They are restraining him. This guy is kneeling on his neck. The the suspect, if you will, the victim, is slowly running out of air. Mm -hmm. And right. another officer is literally standing as a bodyguard against yep. the crowd in case anyone decided to storm in. So now there's a line of defense in front of, yep. if you wanted to run in and help, you had to get past one cop and then yes. get past the other three. Yeah, they needed to be fired. Yes. For sure. Well, wait a second. Wait a minute. Jack, Jack, guys, guys. That is standard operating procedure for law enforcement. They always do that. They always have a, a secondary officer in order to control the crowd. I mean, the, but don't, but... Right. But the guy controlling the crowd is also aware that this is not procedure. You got the guy down. You got him under control. You got him restrained. I'm not arguing him. that. You got what I'm saying down. is... There's no need for anybody to be on his neck. Right. You know? So, so here's the thing. Here's my, here's my take on all this. As a, you know, as a human being, I'm unhappy. As a black man, I am appalled. Yes. In terms of what happened. And I think that the apologies that the mayor, whoever else is saying, ring hollow unless these people, these four individuals are convicted of murder. Everything else will ring hollow. I think apologies, given money, given hush money to the uh, family, 
I think that means nothing. Well, the one thing that I will say that that was very swift was that they were fired. Initially, last night, they were put on paid administrative leave, and then today, they were fired. And I am thrilled beyond belief that they were fired and that that, that it was just so quick. Done and, not done and over with, but that aspect of it, because they just... They will not tolerate it, because and I was video. happy about because that. Because of the video, though. Well, I'm whatever the reasoning videos. is, they are done. They're done. They're not, not on the force yeah, anymore. Had it not been for the video by taken by bystanders, they were going to put in a report that made it look like this guy. Uh, Jack, you start because oh, so we had some weird feedback there about 10 seconds ago for some reason. It was when you started right, in the – so let's just start from the top, okay? In Okay. Go. Okay, so the fact is, if their report had rung true and been accepted and been credible without the video feedback from the, the people that were bystanders, yeah, they could have simply gotten away with murder. And, and yeah, the mayor, first of all, apologizing to the black community and then apologizing to the community at large. Like, it's not just an apology to black citizens. It's an apology to citizens. But the black community did seem to be targeted. And I have to say, Cora, you've been a friend of mine for years. And it it puts fear in my heart that that something like this could happen to you just because of the color of your skin, which is to me the equivalent of taking taking this kind of abuse out on people with red hair or blonde hair black hair right. and isolating that that group of people people are people color of skin is like hair color it's it just happens to be you know the way you're put together that's it it's not it's not any sort of a detriment and you shouldn't be sure. penalized or punished over it now i have and i have that and i certainly appreciate that but where i'm at with this i think all apologies ring hollow at this point i mean i think that there have been enough examples over the years where i think now Law enforcement truly needs to be looked at. There needs to be reformation when it comes to law enforcement because you've just seen this just happens too much. Yes. And it's just, and I don't believe in coincidences, and it keeps happening to blacks. Right. So right. at some point, at some point, you have to say enough is enough. Mm-hmm. And there is something there. So for all the people that want to say, well, you know what? He was a forger and he should have been doing this and he shouldn't have been resisting arrest. Okay. <laughs> the thing is, he was controlled. He was down on the ground right. and he was controlled. And I've and I've done enough work with detainees where once you've got them locked up, they're locked up, they're down. You've got them down. He's and, not I saw, get out of this- and I saw the video and he was down. And the he thing was down, was, he was under control. And he wasn't out of control. He was under control. This yes. is this is something that was subdued. And yes, first of all, I do think being a police officer is a frustrating job. And I do think they probably have a difficult time controlling themselves. And I do think they take their frustrations out in directions they shouldn't take it out. And I do think that police officers tend to have a high um, percentage of domestic violence and abuse within their family because they take it home with them and it's bottled up. I do think all of that, first of all. Secondly, the patrolman's union, as soon as this happened, said, let's not rush to judgment. Let's wait until after the report. Let's hold off. And the mayor said, no, you're fired. Good for him. And that's what I'm saying. If it wasn't video, 
if it wasn't video, this would have happened. And you don't know how many times that this could have happened in the past with Without these particular video. law enforcement officers. And see, and here's my here's my message to law enforcement, because you know they have a lot of complaints about uh, how how they're treated. But see, here's the thing: step in and do something. And I understand the good old boy. I understand the network, the good old boy network. But step in and do something. And that person that was controlling the crowd, turn your ass around yes. and stop your partner from doing that. And do what's you know, right. You know what the hell is going on, so you need to do something. So, I mean, this here, it should not stop with them being fired. Them being fired, I think, means nothing. I'm sorry. They should be prosecuted. They absolutely should be prosecuted for what they did, and they're all culpable. They're all culpable. Hey guys, yeah. And, and question. When I tell when I tell you, Corey, that that this this is something that lingers with me when you and I are apart, and when you and I go out together, I sit there and I think this could happen, and you would be the bigger target simply because of the color of your skin, and I hate that. I vehemently hate that. Question, guys. Um, so um, let's put our lawyer hats on for just a quick second. So by firing our lawyer Wait, hats, lawyer hat, okay. All right, okay. None of us are lawyers, but go ahead. All right, just yeah. speculating here. But by by firing these police officers, is it uh, is it an action by the city to distance themselves or to clear themselves of any legal wrongdoing? And there's, a no, there's no distancing themselves. The mayor has already acknowledged the fact that there's only one way to figure this out. And that's monetarily at this point, because there's no way to correct it other than to correct it going forward. There's no way to turn back time. There's no way you, you keep them from ever having the opportunity to do this again. You make sure that officers on the job know that this is unacceptable behavior. And you're going to have to Rodney King a big check, if you know what I mean. Rodney King got $4 million for his beating. And, and that was more because of the outrage. Of the city, but let me stop. Let me stop both of you right there. The money, this is what when I say that there needs to be reformation, it needs to be reformation because money, money is very easy. The city is very happy to pay people off and to pay hush money, and especially when you're dealing with poorer folks, and so they're very happy to lop up that money. No, at this point. At this point, there needs to be a trial. Oh, These yeah. men need to be put Absolutely. on trial. Absolutely. I agree with that completely. Absolutely. They need to be held accountable, and they need to be held accountable in a court of law. Absolutely must be. And I still think I mean, they need to be held accountable personally and professionally. Because, I mean, professionally, already they've been fired. But personally, yes, absolutely put them on trial. Because... Because a couple things, like the mayor said, and whether you think it's just, you know, blowing smoke or what, the mayor said, this is a human thing, that as a human, this man is asking for, I can't breathe, please get off of my neck. He was polite and everything, whatever. I mean, it just, it's a human thing. What? I was saying just what you just said. Oh, it's a human thing. Like, just, Yeah. The reason why he no, said that no, is very, I mean, it's obvious. It's because he's not trying to uh, politicize or make it a question of race. He's doing damage control. That's why he keeps, it, uh, that's why the emphasis on human. 
I mean, yes, there no, is I think a. You're wrong, Paco. No, I, I didn't. How so? He absolutely recognizes that this is a racial. No, of course. Issue. But why does he keep this saying is... then? Then why doesn't he come out and say like, "Oh, this was a black man that was violently assaulted no, by law enforcement." He did say that, Paco. But what he was talking about is that it's not a thing of of, of a police officer and a black man. It is a thing of two human beings. And so the police officer can say, oh, well, he was resisting arrest and he was doing this and he was doing that. When in reality, he's a human being asking for help. And that police man is supposed to be rendering help. And and the rule is, you you know, on average, a person can go three minutes without air, three days without water, three weeks without food. They had him down cutting off his air supply for four and a half minutes. Over that. It was five and a half minutes, the, the video I five saw. Five and a half. So, wow. yes. guys, the raw video is about 10 minutes long, and it's pretty gruesome. Yeah, is it that's really? horrible. I don't, you know what? I don't need that in my head. I, I've seen enough. In the, I, I watched three minutes of it, and it was the last three minutes until he clearly went unconscious. And I don't know how their report planned to explain this, but clearly the plan was to make it look like this was his fault for resisting when the video evidence of everyone standing around contradicted that completely. Yeah, it's a terrible thing. Yeah, but yeah. Here's the other this problem. Is, this, is the problem. this is offensive, yeah. this is offensive to every human being. Got it. But here's the, other, here's the other problem here, is that in two weeks, this story will go away. There needs to be law enforcement reformation throughout the country because this will happen again. This absolutely will happen again, and we will be talking about it. Other people will be discussing it, and other people will be appalled. So in other words, they need to completely take a look at law enforcement and start doing mental health screening on law enforcement. Start doing anger management. Start doing better assessments. It's not, and stop just pushing people through and giving them badges and guns. True. Now, here's, here's, here's something... Now, before we close this section out, here's something to think about. If you've got someone in America being arrested every three seconds, and that's a fact, you got someone being arrested in America every three seconds, you got to imagine how many times this is happening where there aren't bystanders with cell phones videotaping right. for backup evidence. And that's yeah, frightening to think we yeah. have to be afraid of our of the police officers that are supposed to be there to protect us. Well, yeah. I don't think, well, let's break it down and let's be, and let's keep it real. I don't think that many Caucasians walk around in fear, light-skinned people walk around in fear of the police. I think that needs to be said. People really need to say that. I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said it because I told you that story about the time that I was in the sports bar with my buddy, happens to be a black guy, and I was being mouthy and the police looked like they were going to be called. And my friend told me to shut up. He said, because when they get here, even though you had the big mouth, they're putting me in the car because I'm black. And that really sure. saddened me. That saddened me because I was I was the one being mouthy and being a smartass with other fans of other teams. And this guy would have been picked up simply because he's black. So, Jack, I appreciate you being sad, but it's a lot better... It's a lot better to be sad than actually be fearful. Yes. And so the thing is, and the hardcore reality is, and certainly when it comes to blacks, when it comes to poor blacks, and blacks who don't speak very well, 
There are the, they are especially at risk. Because I'm going to tell you briefly, I'll tell all of you, an experience I had right before the pandemic, and it was one of the, it was late at night, because I like to work out late at night. And so I got caught um, speeding, driving home, right? And I had forgotten my license and didn't have my new insurance uh, or registration in there, right? But because of the car that I drove, and how I spoke and how nice I was to the officer, he just let me go. He just absolutely let me go. But see, but part of that is well-spoken. And also because I was trained by my parents how I'm supposed to act with law enforcement. Staring straight ahead, keeping your hands on the wheel. Yes, sir. No, sir. Keeping very quiet. Answering the questions. You know, telling them what you're going to do. Okay, I'm going to reach for this, sir. I'm going to reach for that. Like, I mean being as sweet as pie. People that are fearful, that don't speak as well, they don't do that. They get scared. They see someone in blue. They see the badge. They get terrified. The words don't come. And the next thing you know, there's violence. And then it leads to death. And that's why yeah, let me somebody... Let me tell you Even with all those precautions on that traffic stop... Here's the here's the, the real fearful thing. It still could have blown up in your face. Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hidden, thankfully. That's the horror. Oh my god, no kidding. I mean, anyway, but but yeah, it still could have gone wrong. Right. And I wanted to bring up another. Um, this is not on the agenda, but another incident that happened yesterday. This one was in Central Park in New York City. So there was a oh, black. Oh, I know this story. There was a black man named Christian Cooper who was in the Ramble or the Bramble part of the park. And apparently it is a very lushly uh, vegetation and birds and everything. And he is a birder. So he was there watching birds. And a a white woman was there with her little Cocker Spaniel dog. And the dog was not a leash. And there are signs everywhere that say your dog must be leashed. And so he very politely asked the woman to please put the dog on the leash. And she said, no. And he explained, there are signs, please put the dog on the leash. And she, she would not. So he started recording her and she got all huffy and don't record me, turn that off. And she grabbed the dog by the collar and was dragging the dog and telling him she's going to call the police. She's going to call 911 and tell them that she's being attacked by a black man. And he was like, he recorded the entire thing. And he said, go ahead, please do. She's on the phone with 911 and she's going, I am here in, in, Central Park, and I'm being, um, there's a black man, and he's threatening me and my dog, and she's building herself up, and everything, it was all a complete act on her part, and so, well, so the police came, both of them were let out, you know, because nothing occurred between any of them, and the woman was fired. She worked for oh god, an investment company. Yep, an she investment, worked for an investment company. company. And she lost her. She lost her job, and her dog was returned to the rescue organization. Wow. They did not want her to have that dog. What a real POS. She, she returned it. She returned it uh, voluntarily. But the way that she was holding, she was dragging hang on, the dog. Hang on, hang on. She had just, the, hang on, Robin. Let me interrupt you. She had just adopted that dog. And no, they contacted her, and, and they the wanted the dog back. I just Eddie, saw the report on the news. 
anyways, she was, uh, so she, yeah, she doesn't have the dog anymore. And the guy is, um, he's fine. Fortunately, the police did not apprehend him. The police did not put cuffs on him or anything like that. They got there and they, they figured everything out and everybody went their own ways, but she is jobless now. Franklin, Franklin something is where she works. And they just yes, put out a yeah. yeah. They put out a yeah. statement saying, um, "We do not condone racism of any sort," and That's they right. fired her. And right. I was so thrilled with that. You know, I'll tell you, as the wife of a black man, and as the mother of a biracial child. I mean, he's a young man. I am fearful when I when I hear about these things and I am fearful when we're in certain situations and I'm fearful for my son who is going to college. And, you know, we live in San Diego. San Diego is a very positive, upbeat community. And it's very like, you know, nobody really, I mean, obviously racism exists, but it's not the problem that it is in other places in this country. And I think about my son going off to college and I don't look at him and go, oh, yeah, he's got a black and a white parent. I look at him and think he's a brilliant young man who is going to do great things in this world. And my biggest fear is that he's going to go off and people are going to look at him and say, oh, yeah, I know what he is. And he is going to suffer something terrible because of that. I don't so, okay, worry so, so much about my husband because he is he he knows how to defend himself. But. My son, you know, just it's very so, scary. For me. So I want to weigh in on all this as being as being the black man here is that I don't I don't think that we should spin towards paranoia. So I don't think that I mean there's plenty of people that are prejudiced in this world, uh, certainly in this country and in this right. state, and that's fine. And they can be that way as long as they keep it to keep it to themselves. As long as they don't do anything, that's number one. Number two, in listening to the story about the Central Park, which I admit I didn't know I didn't know about, and I don't want us to spin off on the whole thing. I'm just giving my opinion. I don't know if she should have been fired or for making a false 911 call. Maybe she she does some jail time, but I don't know if you lose your job. Um, Corey, you didn't actually see this videotape, but this guy yeah. was recording her, and she said very clearly. I'm going to call the police and I'm going to tell the police that I'm under attack by a black man at Central Park who is threatening my threatening myself and my dog. And that's what I'm going to tell them. I heard what Robbie said. Yeah, but she, she felt like by being a white woman, her word would be more valuable against a black man than a black man's word with the truth. I disagree with that. Well, the, the company the company was taking the stand saying, you know what, we do not condone racism on any level of any sort. Period. Right. So we got rid of Is that racism? What she did? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. What's that? Oh my God! What, what is it? What, okay. Corey, what do you think racism is? I'm gonna tell the police a black man is threatening a white woman. Get over here quickly. That is racism. She didn't yeah. say a man is threatening me. Right. A person is threatening a black man. Hurry. That's what she was saying. Describe, please, please, one of you, please describe racism to me. Please describe it. Okay. Is, I, I, I felt like this was racist. Racist. Okay. Because, I'll ask you a question. Please describe 
racism. Can someone please describe that? What okay. is racism? Not, I got it. Go The systematic oppression of one race over another. Under another, I should say. The systematic oppression. Okay. Was she oppressing him? Or was she doing that as a scare tactic to get the guy away? Whatever. No, she was in the wrong. First of all, she was in the wrong. Completely in the wrong. She she was breaking the law by letting her dog run around Central Park. This guy was being polite. She decided to play the race card as a white person, and she was going to use that as a way. But you're trying to spin it like white privilege, you know, which I think has a lot of issues. Jack, is there an issue with what I just said? I didn't say anything. No, but you're. But that's what you're. I think that's what you're inferring to, because she's using her advantage as a white woman. So that's what the white privilege. That's the ghost in the conversation. I think. I think she. I think she thought that's her ace. That's mm-hmm. her. That's her wild card. Oh, that's absolutely. her leverage. I'm going to tell the police I'm a white person. Come help me because a black person is bad and is here threatening me, and I'm going to lie to them to get you in trouble so you'll stop bothering me about my dog. And that, absolutely, she should have been fired because if she'll do that in Central Park, she'll do that at work. If she'll do that in Central Park, she'll do that at work. It would be interesting to see her, her case file at work and to see her clients. And I, you know, just because, like, if she knows the black ones from the white ones, from the Asians, from the Hispanics, from the, all the different ethnicities, what her case file is, if she's got the lily whites. So let me throw this out there then. Because, see, I think uh, this spins off into a really dangerous spot here. So let's say you have a man that's uh, a CEO or something, and he goes to a club and does a whole bunch of stuff sleeps with a whole bunch of gals and things like that, doesn't treat them well, should he be fired from his job? No, because he if, runs because the business. He beats them. No, of, of no, course. But you oh said they don't treat, he doesn't treat them well. But what do you I mean by that? Beat is something totally different. Come on. I'm talking about if he doesn't treat them well, doesn't call them, you know, things like that. Should he be fired from his job? No. Okay. But he's not. But he's not good to women. So should he be fired from his job because he's an a-hole in his personal life because how he dates? Should he be fired? See, I just think here's my thing with this. I just think we have to be very careful because you really run the risk of, you know, becoming like the Soviets, becoming like North Korea, where it's like everything that you do is spotlighted. And that's it. You're done. You're blacklisted for everything. We gotta watch that kind of stuff. I see what you mean. Are you saying it's a slippery slope? It is a slippery slope. People screw up, and we need to be very careful with this because none of our ledgers are clean. Speaking for myself, and I'm sure with the rest of you, none of our ledgers are clean. So we got to be pretty damn careful before we start saying, you know what, this person should be fired. This person is racist because they do one particular thing. And I don't think, and I listen to that, and think of someone who is, who is black and has dealt with a great deal of racism. I don't know. I listen to that, I'm like, you know, mm-mm, I'm not sure. Find her, put her in jail, 
for making a false uh, making a false accusation. But I don't know if she's lose her job over it. Well, I told you. I think my concern is the fact that she went there immediately without any diplomacy to go in any other direction. She went there. She went there yeah. like she was pulling out the big gun right away. Okay, but that's her weapon. Fired for that. That's not to me. That is not a fireable offense. No, it's not. Would you want somebody working for you that behaves like that? What's that? Would you want someone working for you in your company, let's say, who would immediately go to that card? You know what? I would sit down and talk to him. Here's, I'm going to give you an example. I had one of my, I had an employee in the past at a job use the, use the word tranny. And I trained her. It's not a word that you can use. And I trained her and set her down and got into her head as far as why she used that, where she was coming from, what she knew, and all that kind of stuff. I didn't just jump and say, okay, you know what? You hate those kinds of people. You're fired. We can't I be think here. that's wrong. I think we've got to be very careful doing that. And I know we just talked about what we talked about. Those officers, yes, put them in jail for life. This woman here, I don't know if she should leave. Hang on a second. Hang on a sec. If you're an investment group, you're an investment company, and this is on the 6 o'clock news, and there she is clearly lying and lying in a way that is absolutely racist, do you want clients walking in who might have a lot of money to invest, but because their skin is black, they got to worry about her. Well, you know what? I have someone who didn't see it, and I bet you a whole lot of people haven't seen it. I'm, I'm going to no. guess a whole lot You're of people. I have seen it on every news broadcast today. Okay, but still, a lot of people probably haven't seen it. A lot of people haven't seen it, man. Seriously, a lot of people don't. Unless you're digging and looking for that kind of stuff, you won't see it. And people will forget about it in two weeks. They just will. And well, I don't that, invest, that investment company, that name was splashed all over on every report. So if you're doing business with them, you won't care. Somebody's going to say, hey, somebody from that company you're investing in had a problem in the Central Park. Watch okay. this. Right. So in other words, so in other words, what you're saying by your argument is, is that she's this way on the job. So then my question to you is, well, why the hell didn't they fire her sooner then if she was this bad? I think, I think, first of all, making money. I think this is her go-to. Because she didn't choose any other avenue but this immediately. Okay. I think this is her go-to. This is her knockout punch. You're black. I'm telling the police. You're threatening me. You're in trouble. Get away from me. Don't tell me to put my collar on my dog and put my dog on a leash. This I is just her go-to. I don't want us to become like countries that we don't like, where we just drop the hammer and say, that's it. When almost every person that I have come across in my lifetime has screwed up in their personal life that, my God, you wouldn't want to tell your boss about. Well, you have to remember, Corey, this, would, this, this move by the company and by the fact that she has been fined for filing a false police report, um, she's been given it, she's, been, she's got to appear in court. This move is actually to protect black people from feeling immediately threatened just because they're black. 
Yeah, but Jack, it's one isolated incident in countless others. And not to mention, I think this is indicative of what Corey's saying. So there's a huge movement right now called cancel culture. So you have people online, particularly Twitter especially, that are raging to cancel certain things because they don't fit the, uh, the agenda or their political ideology. And that's what uh, Corey's going to. Because with, in Cuba, they have things called chivatos. It's the system of people that watch, uh, that watch people in their neighborhoods, and they literally write down everything that they do wrong. And then they, they had to bring it up in front of the community. They do that in order to sow distrust, because in a communist society, everybody is accountable and everybody's apparently equal. So they have to know if everybody's each other's guilt. In North Korea, it's even exemplified to the point where if you even just say one mention against the regime... They can isolate you, and not only not and not only your immediate family, but even up to three generations of your family. So if you just say one bad thing, they will literally send you, your family, and your grandparents to a concentration camp or a political yeah, re-education North Korea, camp. North Korea is hardly the standard. I mean, North Korea no, is an extreme. No, but that's, what I'm saying is that's the extreme. And you know for a fact that we're people that we shit. I'm sorry, Corey, you were saying? We're moving in that direction. I told a friend of mine back in 2012 that we were moving in that direction. I said, we are coming, we are moving into uh, an Orwellian society. He thought I was nuts eight years ago. Now, he's like, yeah, I can kind of see it. I look back and I can kind of see it. And I think we have to be careful. We all have messed up. We all have done things that we don't want our boss to know about. People on the radio have screwed up. Like for instance, I listened to the Patriots and there was someone who said, who uh, called Tom Brady's um, daughter a little pissant. <laughs> and Brady got right on the radio and said, you know what, I don't want this guy to get fired. You know, when you're talking a lot, you're talking out, you're going to say things where you mess up. We do things as humans, we screw up. And I just, I just want us to be careful just saying, okay, you know what, one strike, you're done. Now, there are some things in this world where there's one strike, and you're out. But I th but I don't think that qualifies. I got a historical example for you, Corey. Go ahead, and we'll wrap this up. All right. Uh, what yeah. about okay? How about Howard Cosell back in the day when he was uh, commentating on that one football game and that infamous quote he said? That was terrible. He should have been. He sh now that he should have been fired because he called somebody a name. It was racial, and it was millions of people hearing that. Mm. He should have been fired. Now, hang on a second. That was, that was reverse. That was reverse racism. Let me explain why. There's no such First, thing as reverse racism, hang Jack. On, hang on one sec. This wasn't, this wasn't Howard Cosell. Howard Cosell apparently had used that term very commonly with his grandchildren, regularly calling them little monkeys, running around the house. That was something he used all the time. And the person that knew this was Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali knew that he spoke of his grandchildren this way. And Muhammad Ali did not come to Howard Cosell's rescue because Muhammad Ali was still bitter about the way he was treated by white politicians over the whole Vietnam thing. And he did not come to Howard Cosell's side and say, hey, I know this guy. He's not a racist. He wasn't calling the kid, this man a monkey because he's black. Okay. I don't know whatever he is or isn't, but he should have been fired for that. I have no problem with him being fired. Because you know what? You cannot be that stupid to say something like that. You have to know 
that that comment is offensive to blacks. If you have risen through the ranks and you are the top announcer in the country, then you better damn well in, have in, your in people. the world at that time. Yeah, so in then the you, world. Better, well, yeah. you better damn well have your finger on the pulse of the community that you're speaking to. And if and if you can't, if you don't, then you need to go. Mm. So that's okay, probably well, on that note. On that note, yeah, we should we should probably lay this lay this to rest tonight. Because frankly, I think we're all passionate enough about it on on many levels. To, this could go on for hours, and and frankly, we wouldn't mind. But the show the show can't be only about this one topic. But let's revisit it in in the near future because I like the fact that everybody kind of sees both sides of the coin, and everybody has their their heart and emotion in this. Fair enough. Yeah, probably a good time to take a commercial break, I'd say. I'd say, Corey, yeah, let's do that. And we'll be back in about two minutes, and we'll shift gears. JB Beater Pros, back in two. SoCal Hemp Co. There's a good reason why CBD oils are all the healing rage. CBD oils relieve pain and soreness in joints, lower back, and soft tissues naturally. SoCal Hempco provides ultimate quality CBD oils for all your pain relief needs. Natural solutions for pain relief are the intelligent, logical solution for a better quality of life. Opioids have been exposed as a life-threatening form of pain management. CBD oils have been proven to ease and relieve pain, stiffness, soreness, and aches all over your body with a completely natural approach that has been proven to work and work well. Go to SoCalHempCo and put it in the promo code JV to the pros and receive 10% off all orders of $25 or more. Remember, use the promo code JV to the pros and get your CBD oils for relief of pain and injuries from arthritis, age, or anything else that may be causing you discomfort. CBD oils at SoCal Hemp Co. is your path to becoming pain-free. And we're back to JV to the pros. I'm Jack Becchio with my partner, Corey Ramsey, the Iron Man of Broadcasting. How are you doing, Corey? Fantastic. Now, speaking of fantastic, I understand we're getting some emails and some comments and compliments, and maybe not so much. Um, Robin, I, I know you said that you had gotten some communication from some of the listeners. Um, yes. Where do you want to go with that? Well, I would like to read some feedback that we got from a fan. What's his name? His name is Alan Olson, and he was uh, responding to episode 18, and he said that's the one where we talked about Kim Jong-un, or Kim Jong-un, whatever his name is. <laughs> Kim Jong-un, yeah. Yes, and so he said it wasn't until seven minutes in that in that a subject of general audience interest was introduced. Kim Jong-un, to me, that was a boring political discussion that were just opinions of people talking. And then he went on to say, at 13 minutes in the conversation, finally went to something of general interest, the whole movie theater experience due to COVID-19. Even that was just a bunch of opinions that did not pull me in. At 22.50, you got my interest 
for the first time by bringing up the subject of life outside of planet Earth via a radio signal. From that point on, the discussion was very interesting to me. I agree with Jack that it seems arrogant to, to me if we believe we are the only life in the cosmos. My theory is that aliens have evolved so much that when they arrive here, they will, by definition, be friendly. In short, only a civilization would be technically enough evolved to do space travel at the speed of light or faster that has also figured out that destruction of life is absurd and know how to live peacefully at a high level quality of life. Whatever the cause, a very interesting topic. Bravo. And then he says, Psycho is a great movie to discuss because of the emotional trauma we all experienced in this exhibit. <laughs> Hey, I'll tell you what, I like the fact that he gets it right down to the second. You know, exactly. um, yeah. So what, we, cool. what I want to do is I want to send Mr. Olsen over to Paco's house during editing. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I'm a very good editor. John I don't need no he help. He sounds like a professional podcaster. <laughs> yeah. He seems to really know, he really seems to really know this business. I'll tell you what, it's it's kind of it's kind of too bad we don't have him on. Right now, like just chat with him. You know, maybe we'll, you know, do you have his phone number or anything? Or, I mean, can well, we, are we able to reach out to him? Yeah, no. Uh -huh. No? So here's, okay. my, here's my takeaway. Here's my takeaway with uh, all of this. First off, Alan, I want to say that we appreciate you taking the time to write and listen and really write some thoughtful. Um, opinions and yes. criticisms. Absolutely. And yeah, he's done the show pretty good. Yeah, we value it a great deal. So I hope, Alan, that you write in some more because we want to acknowledge that. And the other thing that we plan on doing is that we plan on having a segment where we take phone calls. Yeah. And we would love to have you call in and get your opinion because you believe that there's life on other planets. I would love to converse with you about that. Because I'm really into that kind of stuff, and I love to talk about it. And as a sci-fi writer, it's yeah. near and dear to his heart. <laughs> we're on the same. We are on the same page. So we. Well, so I we look forward what, to. Uh, why don't we get people like Mr. Olson to reach out to us on Facebook, and then yes, maybe we can actually invite the you know listeners that are interested. And speaking their mind, and we'll just have like something open-ended, and literally just challenge us from any any end or any previous show we've done on any conversation we've had. What do you? I mean, Robin, what do you think? That's yeah, too absolutely. Have people call in. Yeah, just have a an unscripted, you know, five-minute segment where people can call in and and release their minds a little bit and engage us. And yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. Well, I'll tell you what, we don't have a designated landline. So why don't we do this? If, if, if they contact us on Facebook and they're willing to be introduced to the conversation through Facebook messenger between seven and seven thirty Pacific standard time on Tuesday evenings, then we just agree to welcome them in. We'll get their information via Facebook and we'll just click them in and we'll just let, have it anything we've ever talked about or anything they would like to hit us with. And we'll find out just how sharp we are. All right. So why don't we roll into the truth is alien now, since we're talking about planets and other life forms and Corey. 
Take it away. I want to talk about something. I'm going to go for it. I want to talk about something that I think is one of the great mysteries of the last several years. And I know when we do The Truth is Alien, we have a tendency, I have a tendency to go back, talk about, you know, ancient times and things. But I want to talk about something that's a little bit uh, more relevant, a little closer to home with us. And it's been only six years and two months since the uh, Malaysian Airlines flight mm. 370. So some of the facts are flight 370 was a scheduled flight in the early morning of March 8th, 2014. And it was flying from Malaysia to Beijing, China. The plane carrying 239 people vanished same day and presumed to have crashed in the far southern part of the Indian Ocean. Now, some of the things that have happened since then, several pieces of marine debris have been confirmed from the aircraft have washed ashore in the Indian Ocean during the 2015 and 2016. The bulk of the aircraft has not been located and many theories are coming around with the disappearance. Now, there was a three-year search of the ocean and it failed to locate the uh, aircraft. A second search was launched in January 2018 by a private contract contractor called Ocean Infinity. That also ended without success. So the Malaysian Ministry of Transport, their final report of July 2018, they said was inconclusive, but it highlights that the air traffic controller's failure to attempt to communicate with the aircraft shortly after the disappearance was, in fact, strange. You think? You think? Well, here's, the, here's, so here's, my, here's my issue. That plane goes down, and it, it goes down, and the very next morning, government officials' first comment to the media was, be aware that we've only really mapped 6% of the Indian Ocean for sure. 94% of it, we really can't tell you much about. And I'm thinking, why would that be their very first move if it were a chess game? Why would, they, why would that be the first place they go, hey, 94% of this ocean, we have no idea about, instead of, instead of sitting there and tracking the trajectory of the way the plane went down? That's, that's my very first issue. With, the, with this, is that they seem to distance themselves immediately from being able to find the plane, rather than going with hope right out the gate. Um, I heard an interesting theory about the about how the plane or why it completely disappeared. There were certain personnel that belonged to a certain contractor company, and they had contracts with the DOD, especially when it comes to computer defense. So, allegedly, the plane was diverted to Diego Garcia, which is in the middle of the Indian Ocean, actually smack dab of it. And on, at, and on that particular island is a joint base that's run by the U.S. and the uh, United Kingdom. And it used to be the British, but now we use it, obviously, as a touch-go for what we use. But allegedly, what had happened was the plane was detained, all the passengers were disappeared, and those certain persons were, you know, detained or whatnot. 
And the reason why they grabbed those people is because they had in on what was happening. Because this was not too long ago from what when Edward Snowden, you know, broke the NSA, uh, you know, uh, uh, hacking. Uh, we're not hacking. Uh, the NSA is, you know, massive uh, surveillance program. So they had something to do with that or something along the same lines. And they were fearing for another, you know, breach or another, you know, uh, somebody uh, whistleblowing. So they were controlling the story, so to speak. But this apparently went out because someone on Reddit posted a picture of looked like Diego Garcia through the canopy of a window saying, and he, and he writes, uh, hello, I am so-and-so. I had to sm smuggle this phone out. I am being detained here at Diego Garcia. Please help me. SOS. And no one's ever heard from him since. That's certainly one of the theories, Paco. And uh, the company was called Freescale Semiconductor. That's it. And yes. they supposedly work with the NSA, NSA to develop surveillance technology. And this was according to Snowden's top uh, documents. That's so right. There is some, I don't know if there's fire, but it's definitely from smoke. So another theory that 5% of Americans surveyed believe that the plane was abducted by aliens. Thanks. So that just tells me where the heads are of some people. Now, there are other theories out there. One of the other theories is that the captain was lonely and sad <laughs> and that this was a murder-suicide on his part. Wow. There and is... that, now, the FBI, the FBI and the Malaysian government did discover on his computer that there was a flight profile similar to that of the missing plane. So that's interesting. Again, a little bit of smoke. Don't know if there's fire. Now, Corey. Also, fact. The airline had a mysterious addition to the flight list. Off, according to an engineer whose wife and two children were aboard that aircraft. It was learned that a mysterious load of about 89 kilos, that's 200 pounds, was added to the flight list after takeoff. A container was also overloaded without anybody knowing why. So you had some mysterious materials on that ship, on that plane, rather. And then also the radar said that there were some weird flight patterns, that it was turning right. And then the plane decided to veer left. Right. So there was all sorts of things. Yeah. Also, autopilot was taken off. So in other words, the captain apparently took control of the flight for about 20 minutes. And that's when it started going in a lot of different directions. Hmm. Well, I, so I, who knows? I, I know I know that the um that the, the pilot um, from a few years ago, the co-pilot who had crashed a plane in the Alps, um, he was depressed and had mental problems. I doubt we've got two pilots back to back in that. And I doubt, I mean, I, I could be wrong. I mean, what do I know? But I mean, I doubt the alien thing. I, I really, common sense and logic points me in the direction of something to do with, with the DOD or NSA, because yeah, eliminating three hundred people in the event in the effort of a cover up, I can see I can see the government doing that. That'd be a small price to pay. Well, Jack, I'm going to dovetail on what you just said. Mark Mark Duguay, who once ran the French airline called Proteus, he was told, and I quote, 
do not look closely into this case because you're taking risk if you do. The, also, you have the former Australian Prime Minister, Tony Abbott, who was in office when the flight vanished. He told Sky News Australia that high-ranking Malaysian officials believe veteran pirate, the veteran pilot, captain, deliberately downed the jet. The jet. And I quote, my clear understanding is from the, from the very top levels of the Malaysian government is that from very, very early on, they thought it was a murder-suicide by the pilot. Wow. So there's a lot of stuff out there floating. Different theories. But, you know, the sad part is, is that you have the relatives of 239 people that have no clue about what happened. No closure. This plane just vanished. Right. Wow. Well, I'll tell you now, what. let me really get truth is alien on you. Let me really, let me really, <laughs> let me give you a really tin hat on. So you have the Egyptian Air airline MS-804. That's the, uh, the flight. It vanished over the Mediterranean on May 19th, 2016. Exactly 804 days after the flight 317 went off the radar. 804? 804? 804. Wow. So I hope everybody has their tinfoil hat on, because I just threw a lot at you. The thing that makes the most sense would be the Department of Defense downing that jetliner in an effort to cover up some of their only own dirty laundry. And I do think there was a lot of innocent lives lost as a result. And I do think the ripple effect would be, would absolutely be that if they knew where that plane went down, to go down and get it and make sure it's never found. Now that would make a lot more sense than aliens saying, let's take that jet out of the air instead of the other 10,000 that are up at the time. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. And if you have a pilot that's depressed and da-da-da-da, I mean, you know, they have been able to locate black boxes in the ocean over and over again, and they couldn't seem to find anything on this. I'm wondering if this thing was down by design and down in a specific part of the Indian Ocean to give those that down the plane time to clean up the mess and leave some scraps to wash ashore. Well, the government has certainly been criticized and Australia, the Australian government, they have criticized Malaysia, I mean, all up and down all over the place with how they've handled things. So again, there's a lot of smoke. I may, we may not be able to see the fire, but there's a lot of smoke with this. But, you know, and also the reparations towards the families, that hasn't even really happened. It's been over six years. Wow. Well, I think that, I think that's been, that, I think that's been purposely tied up in the courts. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, and this is just kind of a kind of collateral damage. I was in Vegas when the casino broke ground and the casino was going to be called Malaysia. And it was, it broke ground about six or eight months before this, this airliner went down. And the thinking was that this Malaysia 
was going to be the casino for for um, you know the Asian um, clientele who like to play slots and baccarat and that kind of thing. And it was going to be completely designed for the Asian clientele. And it was going to be called Malaysia. Signs all over the property. And they were building away. The plane goes down. And they dismantled that entire project because, obviously, the association. I thought they were just going to change the name. And instead, they just leveled it and walked away. So that's a good place for us to end it. There are a lot of theories out there. You know, we may never know. So all of you out there that are listening, as far as what you believe it to be, you're going to have to decide that for yourself. Good. Done. Good. All right, we'll go to commercial. Give me two minutes to write down my list again, and we'll go to 90s movies and TV shows. You got it. Sounds good. I'm going to bed. So I was checking into barnone1.com and seeing all that they offer. Barnone, the number one.com. They have certified and qualified professional bartenders and servers that make party guests feel like they're living the high life. Barnone can be contacted at 619-952-9414, and that will be the first step to getting your event on track. Bar None will help you prepare the kind of event that is greater than you imagined. They've done this for years and they know what they're doing, so they can answer your questions and guide you to a successful and memorable event. Call Bar None at 619-952-9414 and let them handle these details so that your guests have a great time with a professional server who knows how to take care of their guests. Now, they know how to make your guests feel like they're going to have a great time in part because the work that Bar None does for an event is unparalleled. Call Bar None at 619-952-9414 and get the process started for your next event with Bar None. Tell them JV to the pros sent you. And we're back to JV to the pros. I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner, the Iron Man of Broadcasting, Corey Ramsey. How are you, Corey? Fantastic. Let's talk about something a little lighter. Some <laughs> it's, been, it's been an intense show today. <laughs> Very. Yeah. Yeah. But I liked it. Yeah. I like how passionate everybody was. I love the fact that we, we believe in what we're doing. I love it. So where, where are we going? Yes. Let's shift gears. Let's, let's do it up. Well, we're in the 90s now. Oh, yeah, that's right. Let's move into the 90s. All right, guys. You know, the first decade, the first decade of truly bad music, but pretty good TV shows and movies. Hey, Pearl Jam was good. Yeah, they were. And that's it. Okay. So, um, but the 90s, the 90s was like grunge rock, and I don't even want to talk about it. The 80s squeaked by, and then all of a sudden the 90s showed up, and music didn't matter. So, well, see, yes, I, I lived the music. I lived grunge. I lived all that because I lived in Portland, Oregon at the time. So you were in Ground Zero, Smashing Pumpkin, Marcy, Marcy Playground, all of that stuff was big back in the day. Deftones, Corn, good stuff, good stuff though. I think I, I think I'm loyal. I think I'm loyal to my my music up until I turned 39, and then and then I kind of quit on it. <laughs> uh-huh. Corey, did you wear a lot of okay, plaid back so, then? What's that? Did you wear a lot of plaid back then? Like tie a little plaid shirt around your jack, around your uh, waist and stuff? I mean, that was a 90s thing. No, 
Yeah, that was a thing, but no, I didn't do all that. You know, I just carried an umbrella a lot. Oh, well, it's rainy well, out there. Wait a second, wait a second. Did you did you have a leftover members only jacket? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> well, I'll tell you London what. Pub, I, <laughs> well, the Queen of Queens is going to come on strong this one, but we're going to let Paco go first. You know, let's see what you got for the '90s, because Paco. You were around in the 90s. Oh, so yes. We've been doing decades where you hadn't been born. Now you're born. All right. Here I am, world. All right, guys. So we start with movies first. All right. Okay. Starting with number five, it's going to be Terminator 2 Judgment Day. That was my first introduction to James Cameron, and I fell in love with that movie. And I still Pretty think good. it's a pretty good choice. Very good movie. I actually have yeah. an old, old poster, yeah. too. I'm waiting for him to sign it. Number four. Awesome baby. Yes. Number four, we got to introduce Scorsese into the game here, starting the decade off with Goodfellas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Yes. I mean, everything yeah. we talk and, about. And, and, and was ranked the number one movie of the 90s. No kidding. It came out in 1990, oh, yeah. and it was ranked as the number one movie of the decade. Well, I beg the difference. Let me ask you guys something. Is that considered the number one gangster movie of all time? It's, I, I've heard people say that. I, I would, um, yeah, you know what? I I don't know, Godfather. I, I don't yeah, know. The thing about um, The Godfather is it's not, it's like operatic. You know what I mean? Like Goodfellas is more accurate to how it really played out. See, my issue is with Ray Liotta and Goodfellas. Oh, come on. Why do you get hung up for the accent? It's just one little caveat. It's like, okay, Al Pacino didn't do it in Irishman. He sounds like he's from downtown Chicago. Yeah but, to ever, yeah, but to the average Californian like myself, we don't know that difference. We just know, every, we just say things phonetically correct. It's, it's fingernails on a chalkboard to a New Yorker. Okay. That's, that's how much it stood out. I mean, it stood out so much that I thought I couldn't, I could not have gone through final editing with that sound. I would have dubbed his voice rather than leave it that way. Well, Martin Scorsese didn't mind. No, he didn't mind, and he is a genius. Yes, he is. So, so we got it. But I, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Number one, number one gangster movie of all time. Boy, that's a tough call. We got to save that debate for later on you tonight. Know what? That's a, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. All right. So then, number three, it's yeah. gonna be uh, Jurassic Park. That was the first big Spielberg movie that I really enjoyed because I used to watch that movie endlessly as a kid. Yeah. And then I actually met the guy who created the dinosaurs at Comic-Con years ago. We had a nice conversation and everything. Stan Winston well, was his name. Let me ask you something. Did you continue watching those Jurassic Park movies? Yes, and they got progressively worse. Well, I mean, how many times can they leave the door open and one gets out? Well, because the, <laughs> cause they, well, at that point, you see, because the first one, you had Spielberg directing it, so it was great. It was novel. After that, it just kind of like... Uh, demorphed into this B-movie, uh, you know, genre. I mean, which it always was. It's just that you had a high, uh, you had a high A director directing the project. There's an interesting story about how that movie got developed, but that's a whole other conversation for another time. Yeah. No, don't, don't branch off. Okay. But I mean, Spielberg, Spielberg still oversaw the other Jurassic Park movies, and to come up with the same premise as to how things got out of control by somebody leaving the door open again... And again, and again. <laughs> like, when do they get a lock? <laughs> 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 when do they learn? 
Okay, well, here's another one. Right. Number two, this is how, this is when they don't learn. But uh, number two is Titanic. That is my, like, I used to watch that endlessly because I had the, the big two VHS box set. You guys remember? Hey, you want to know something? Who was originally cast in the lead? For, uh, let's see. God, I'm Titanic. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Oh, the first time is a bitch. I'll help you out. Um, it's not Ray Liotta. Johnny Depp was originally cast what? to play the lead. Yes, he was given the part. Cameron handed it to him. And you know what Johnny Depp said? Why would I do that? Everyone knows how it ends. <laughs> yeah, but still, it's a great film because from a technological achievement, it did a lot of things. I mean, if you watch the movie today, it still holds up. I mean, because oh, it yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, they literally and, built... And, and, and Cameron, Cameron made an unbelievable amount of technical um, efforts, including when that famous um, um, chest of dishes fell over as the, as the ship was sinking. Right. He actually, he actually had the dishes identically matched to the dishes that were on the Titanic so that when they fell, fell and crashed, they would be exactly like the dishes in the Titanic. I mean, he made extreme efforts to no. match up that story. And it looked like it was happening before your eyes. It looked like you're watching the sinking. Well, it was. I mean, to because Cameron is, uh, his reputation in the industry is that he's a very, uh, he is very uh, determined or was passionate in his, in his, in his actions. Yes. And that's why yes. he wanted to get everything to the minute detail because he has that engineering background. So he knew how the mechanics worked. And that's why yes. I adore it, and I still think the movie holds up to this day. But It does. I just saw it recently, and actually a friend of mine is in it. My friend Charles oh. is in it. What does and, he play? Um, he's in, yeah, he's, he's, he, he, he was an extra, but he's featured in the movie, and he's one of the people getting on the lifeboats, and there he is in the movie. And at that time, the movie made a billion four, and he was very proud to be any part of it. But yeah, that movie holds up forever. I got a Titanic story for you guys. I'm ready. So um, when I was when I started film school, I had a friend of mine. He used to live in Chula Vista near my house. His girlfriend was actually uh, casted as actually the little girl that dances with Leo in the movie. But the parents did not want to commit to six months down in Rosarito. I don't know why, but they just didn't want to. And she missed out on that part. Otherwise, she would have been, you know, on the screen for I that. Mean, Rosarito is 12 miles south of the border. Right. Just, I mean, you could zip back. Forth, if you wanted. Yeah, and anyway, this is pre 9/11. Okay, so the number one, we gotta get to number to one. Number one. Yes, it's back to Scorsese, and you're gonna hate me, Jack. And you haven't seen it, and I keep telling you, but it's got to be Casino. Wait, that wait, is... wait, 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 wait. Does it rhyme with Pacino? Yes, it does rhyme with Pacino. <laughs> I just said Casino, and I think that is my absolute favorite, and I think it's actually the best mafia movie of all of them, because that shows. Really? The... Yes, because it showed the height of their power. And also, I went to Las Vegas starting when I was a kid, so I understood a little bit of that milieu. And I remember my parents and their my grandparents because they go to Vegas. They're, we're all frequent gamblers in my family, and they still remember seeing those wise guys on the floor at in Vegas. I, I believe in your fact, family are a bunch of are, are absolutely a bunch of gamblers. I mean, they bet heavily on your education. Well, that's you talk about risk takers. <laughs> okay, but uh, hey, but. <laughs> But um, actually, but uh, yeah, that's it. But unless you want to no, add to that. That's actually a really good list. That is a good list. 
Now, we're going to get the Queen of Queens, our co-producer, Karen. Come on, Karen. let her go nuts, because this is right after her wheelhouse of the 80s. So let's get her in here, and let's get her, let her go nuts. Okay. So I agree with you, Paco, about Titanic. That was on my list. Thank you. Moving forward. Um, A League of Their Own. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because That was a 90s I... movie? What's that? That's a 90s movie? I always thought it was in the 80s. 92. Oh, wow. Okay. Right there at the, right the get-go. Great choice. Great choice. And then Shawshank. That is a fantastic yes. movie. Andy Dufresne. Every time... And that is Shawshank has the consistent highest IMD re-ranking of any movie in all of history. Now, uh, um, Shawshank has an IMDb rating of like 92% approval rating. You know, the irony okay, about that movie... those people that do not know what that is, what is it? IMDb is the International Movie Database, which ranks the approval of movies and also keeps track of all actors everywhere around the world and their resumes and, you know, their body of work. But um, IMDb has ranked Shawshank Redemption as the highest-ranking approved film by audiences in all of history. Okay. Glad it's on my list. <laughs> um, and another one is Sandlot. Mm, the Sandlot. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Sandlot. And, and not only because I liked it, is that I was able to share it with the kids. Like mm -hmm. with uh, Danielle and Freddie and Tiffany, they were all young enough to understand it. So that I, I really enjoyed Sandlot. And James Earl Jones, when I worked when I worked with him, was very proud of Sandlot. And I mentioned that I hadn't seen it at that point. And our conversation almost came to a screeching halt. <laughs> he is so proud of that movie. But it is a that's a movie that holds up the test of time. To me, it reminds me of um, Stand by Me. That's, That's the kind of movie it is. Wait, uh, Jack, so mm -hmm. you didn't uh, piss him off when you told me you didn't like Star Wars? <laughs> he wasn't in Star Wars. He did a voiceover. <laughs> yeah, but by association, though. You still get... I, you know, I, didn't, I did not mention disliking Star Wars to him. I didn't want to cut that deep. All right, good. What's your other one, Karen? <laughs> the last one is Silence of the Lambs. Ooh. Ooh. Wow, you you did good tonight. That's a great yeah. one. Five Academy Awards, that's a great list. You know, there's a whole sordid history about that movie because for the longest time, the Academy didn't want to call it a horror film. Why? Well, there's this stigma about, you know, horror films that they're not accepted by, you know, they're not considered high art because it's, you know, and they always classified it as a thriller. Especially because the dynamic between Clarice and Hannibal Lecter, but I mean, I, I think I think it is a thriller. Oh, it, it is, is a thriller, thriller slash horror. I call it a thriller. Leave it at that. But that's yeah. fine. Now let me ask you something. What's, what's Robin's list? Uh, Robin with a Y. She uh, she left without her list, um, but I do know, I do know that she loved Shawshank Redemption. That much I do know. When it comes to the nineties, big fan. All right. Corey, your list. Go for it, my man. Absolutely. So I'm in one hundred percent lockstep with uh, Karen on Silent on Silence of the Lambs. I saw it three times in the movie theater. That's how much I liked it when it first came out. 
another one is um, Michael Mann's Heat with mm. Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Don't forget Val Kilmer. First time you get those two together in one of the best, uh, one of the most well-acted scenes when you have those two sitting down in a cafe for the first time. And far, far overdue for them, too. Yes, far overdue. Pulp Fiction It's another one. How am I forgetting Tarantino's about Tarantino's, I think, the quintessential Tarantino movie. Forrest Gump. And then my all-time favorite movie, which unfortunately lost out to the Titanic for best picture, and that is L.A. Confidential. Oh, my gosh. I thought you were going to say something else. I'm going to, when I do my list, I'll tell you what I thought, where I thought you were going to go. <laughs> yeah, you were going to have a very similar list, but at the end there, I thought, oh, oh, he's going there. He's going there. And then you go L.A. Confidential. By the uh -huh. way, which Kim, ba which Kim Basinger won the Academy Award for. Yeah. Kim Basinger, whom I have worked with. Anyway, um, yes, Kim Basinger deserved that. She deserved the Academy Award that year. Um, okay, so I'm going to go. And um, first of all, I'm going to go with um, the movie that I was bummed out went up against Titanic at the box office which was Private Parts. With I Howard really Stern? enjoyed Private Parts. The story Whoa. of Howard Stern and his rise to fame, I, I thought that was... And there he is, a DJ, doing a pretty damn good job of acting. And when you're playing yourself, it's even harder because you got to sure. impersonate you. So that was that was where I thought you were going with the LA Confidential. <laughs> my, my next one is... Um, a movie in which my friend Mark Christopher um, was actually cast in the lead until the Sunday before the Monday they began shooting when Samuel L. Jackson agreed to take the role in Pulp Fiction. And Mark was out. And it broke his heart because he would have had Sam's career. <laughs> yeah. So um, I was, I'm still extremely impressed with Forrest Gump. I think Forrest Gump is a great film. Yeah. Um, one film that wasn't mentioned at all tonight that I, I think is maybe one of the 10 best films ever made is Schindler's List. Yeah. Schindler's yeah. List. Yeah. I, I mean, nobody mentioned Schindler's List, and I think, I, I think staying true to form and telling that story about a very dark corner of history Spielberg, that might be his masterpiece. And my last one is Shawshank. Mm -hmm. I Shawshank Redemption. I love that movie. Hey, um, love it. Jack, here's a little uh, trivia for you. Who was originally supposed to direct uh, Schindler's List? And he's been mentioned twice on today's podcast. Sir Scorsese. That's correct. In fact, yeah, that, that was the uh, yeah. the deal. And Scorsese, rightfully so, felt that Spielberg would have done it more justice because Scorsese primarily does films about people he knew in his neighborhood and people he could relate to. And Spielberg really could relate to this story. And that's why it was better handed off to Spielberg. 
and he did the right thing because it wouldn't have been quite the same film. Well, I actually... imagine. I want to talk to Oscar Schindler. Shut up! I got a bat here. <laughs> well, I've got it. Well, the, I was reading up on it because the film was a reconciliation on Spielberg's part because up until that point in his career, he was really uh, reluctant or resistant to his Jewishness, especially growing up. Because, you know, anti-Semitism back then was much more prevalent than it is now. And and then when he did this movie, this was like his, you know, way of uh, reconnecting with his own, with his roots and his heritage. Because you're right, up until that point, nobody ever, nobody never wanted to make a film about the Holocaust. Up until then, the only person that came close to doing something was Stanley Kubrick, one of his, you know, one of his rivals. And he came very close, but he could never get the funding to it. And this was his opportunity. But like you said, Scorsese was already in the works for it. So he did a deal where he was going to... Because uh, this is how Cape Fear got uh, Scorsese to direct it. Because originally Spielberg was going to direct Cape Fear. But they did a deal where he was going to switch the projects. So that's why he had to make Jurassic Park back-to-back -back with Schindler's List. So immediately after they were done making uh, Schindler, Jurassic Park, he hopped on a plane and went to Poland and started filming Schindler's List. Wow. Yeah. Now that's that's a great great anecdote. All right. Now, Paco, you done good. You done good tonight. You had a lot of great stories tonight. Tonight, tonight you're on your game. You brought your A game. Now, yeah. Paco, what do you got for TV in the '90s? Okay. Well, this is something that I definitely have a lot of experience in. All right, guys. So starting with uh, number five, and you're gonna hate me for this, but uh, South Park, you know, because that was I mean, no South Park's a good show. Okay, so, Corey, you like this one, uh, Stargate SG-1. That was one of my other ones because mm -hmm. I used to watch it all the time on the Sci-Fi uh, Channel. Go on. All right. Yes, I know. Uh, Star Trek DS9. Mm -hmm. That was another one of mine. Um, last one, uh, one of these ones, uh, Twin Peaks. I'm not really that big. I wasn't a, a big, I wasn't big into David Lynch until I started watching it when I was in college. And I'm thinking, like, hey, this is actually ain't bad. But, of course. Yeah, but Twin, Twin Peaks was a, was a restaurant, right? No, it wasn't a restaurant. It was the name of the town. Okay. And then finally, we have to have it, but the granddaddy of the truth is alien. The truth is out there, guys. I'm talking about X-Files. X-Files. I knew that was coming. Oh, come I knew on. that was coming. All oh, right. Nice nice list. And I, I, nobody hates you for that list. That's a, that's a damn good list, Paco. All right. Queen of Queens. Here we go. I'm just going to read right through them. Here we go. Corey, we have, we have, that. We have friends, because I got the timer going. Uh, we have friends, married with children, 90210. I watched that with the girls. Um, Sopranos. And again, I watch TV with the older kids. So a lot of them are coming up. Dawson's Creek. So no sign for I was working. I was working and I had to watch television with the kids were watching. <laughs> So that's my list. Not a bad list, although I didn't see the Dawson's Creek thing coming from this hardcore New Yorker. Yeah, I was about to say, that's... Uh... Corey, what do you got for TV? All right, so I'll run through mine. So, X-Files, King of Queens, Star Trek Next Generation, and then I'm, once again, lockstep with uh, Karen, The Sopranos, and yes, I watch 90210. I sure did. I watched, uh, you know what? I have seen all 10 seasons. I was a big 
I was a big fan of uh, of Dylan McKay. I thought he was cool. I thought he was just a cool dude. Now wait a Maybe. second. Did anybody ever find out what those numbers meant? Uh, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I almost got you, Cork. I almost got you. <laughs> We're too good of friends for me okay. to do that to you. <laughs> I watched it. All right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go quick. Hold on. Hold on one sec. Now, I didn't watch King of Queens until recently again. I didn't watch it in the 90s because I already lived it. So uh, to me, watching it was like, oh, God, yeah, I got the joke. Big deal. But yeah. now watching it, it's funny, you know? It's great. And I can yeah. look back and remember, okay, that's exactly how we were in Queens. <laughs> <laughs> she gets the joke now. No, I know the joke. Now, although I, I did a couple episodes of The Nanny and I did enjoy the show, it's not on my list. Sorry, Fran. <clears throat> not on my list. Okay, here's my list. I got Sopranos, which breaks my heart that I didn't get in that car with Jimmy Gandolfini and head over to HBO and take him up on that offer. Should have. Um, anyway, yep, blew that. Um, I got Frasier. Which I, that's a spinoff of Cheers. Mm -hmm. Friends, I enjoyed Friends. My favorite episode was when Brad Pitt was on for Thanksgiving. That was my favorite episode of Friends when he goes on and and acts as Ross's buddy. Um, another show that I that I've appeared on, Seinfeld. What'd you play? Gotta go with Seinfeld. We've had this conversation. Wait. Yeah, but the audience We've had this whole conversation. I'll send you screenshots of me on the show. All right. Well, the audience anyway, can't see. And my last one is is a show that I am that I'm falling in love with again, and I'm falling in love with it every week, and we are recording it regularly. And I know Corey loves it. King of Queens. Oh yeah, those are my five. Yeah. I've got about so, nine. I have about 90, 90, 95 episodes recorded of that. <laughs> We're gonna have to have a binge watch together. Now, Robin, does Robin oh, have some TV sure. shows? Robin, Robin with a Y have some TV shows. She she was really into the X Files uh, at the time. I know that for I know that for a fact. And you know what? Outside of that, for her, that was really it. Because you know, strangely enough, she doesn't like. She doesn't really. Uh, she didn't really watch King of Queens. I'm getting her into it. I'm getting her into Star Trek a little bit. Uh, speaking of Star Trek. Um, Soprano, Sopranos, I just had her watch that. But you know what? I want to go back to a movie that I highly recommend for uh, you, Jack, and you, Karen. You guys like Kurt Russell? Love him. Okay. Yeah. Then I would say check out a movie that came out in 1997 called Breakdown. Oh, my God. It, I love that movie. Oh, you've Scared seen it already. Okay. You've seen it all out of me. All right. Yes. Yeah. That movie is a hidden gem. Yes. Hidden gem movie. I'll tell you what. That movie, that movie will tighten up your stomach from end to end. That movie, and that movie is, is a story that has happened on the roads of America many, many times and has never been told. That story to me, is more frightening than Psycho. It's more frightening than a lot of movies. I wasn't as scared in Silence of the Lamb in the theater 
as I was watching Breakdown. Breakdown is an incredible movie. And Karen, yeah. the Queen of Queens, just told me she's never seen it. Guess what we're oh. watching when we get back to San Diego? Absolutely. And if you guys need it, I will give it to you to watch. It is No, I have it. I have, have a DVD. Oh, yeah. Okay. I love that movie. I've loaned that movie out to people. That's a great movie. Settle down with some food and enjoy it. Yeah, and it's the kind of movie you got to watch end to end. You can't yeah. pause. You can't pause it. You got to keep watching it. Yeah. There's no place to stop. That ride goes on and on. Yes. Yeah, that's a great movie. But yeah, breakdown. How did that get through? I missed that one. Yeah, that that's good. Good going, Corey. Nice job. Um, maybe we'll have a um, a virtual movie night. We'll, we'll watch it together from house to house. Well, we have to do that. We've got to do that for sure with Equinox and a few others when you guys get back. Right. We've got to do that. Right. That'd be great. All right. Well, we'll be back in a week. And, um, well, I think we've ready, we're ready to wrap this up, but we're going to encourage our fans and our listeners to go on Facebook and make arrangements to be guests on our show and talk about any topic that we've either discussed or haven't discussed.